Well, we too want to welcome you uh, to Big Valley and you in the venue and maybe some of you online and thanks for getting to church on time. Can't wait till this fall. We get to gain that thing back. But um, as Pastor Rick has been going through uh, people and passages, uh, today we're going to be, or this morning, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. But before we do that, if you look in your insert, we're going to say it together without looking <laughs> the memory passage for last week. Now, I know for some of you that's a strain. But let's say it together without looking. Jesus, Jesus wept. Wow, you are, you are really deep theologians. And, and as we get to the end of the message today, we're going to be looking at another one in Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, I, I, I really feel encouraged when we memorize Scripture. The Bible says you hide Scripture in your heart and you watch the power of the Spirit as He brings it out anytime He wants it, any, any occasion. Any occasion. And as a side note, Jesus wept in the... Well, we speak English, yeah. In an English Bible, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. But in the original text, which would be Greek, the New Testament, it is not the shortest verse in the Bible. And for you Greek students, the shortest verse in the Bible is rejoice evermore. I think it's a letter or two different. The third shortest verse in the Bible is pray without ceasing. And I find that very fascinating how the Lord put all of our life between the three shortest verses. Uh, we're either weeping or we're rejoicing. And through that journey, we are to be in a life of prayer. So Jesus wept, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and memorize those. That's three verses. Ready to go. Well, we're going to look at our text here. And when we, uh, when we thought about the life of Abraham, um, obviously this man, man is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. And you can start in Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I think there's 13 in a row that just speak about his life. And where do you land on any one of those chapters? I don't know. But we chose the one out of Hebrews. You can read about him in Romans. You can read about him in Galatians. There's, he's all through the Word of God. But we're going to land on a couple of these verses here in Hebrews 11. It's in your uh, insert in verses 8 and 9, and I will read. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. By faith Abraham. If we could gather together from the last 6,000 years of recorded history, uh, just 50 of the most famous men and women, and we could gather all of them and put them in these seats right here, 50, just 50 of the most famous, and let them have some theoretical conversation about any subject, I think it'd be a disaster. Can you imagine getting together Confucius and Napoleon Pharaoh, Florence Nightingale, Hitler, Mohammed, Shakespeare, Aristotle, I mean, go on and on. And they're not going to have much in common, and they're all the centuries separate them from so many things. But I had to think, what if we could gather 
50 of the most famous people of the Bible and put them all together in one room, I don't care what the centuries are, it wouldn't matter at all. 50 people, men and women of the Bible, doesn't matter the centuries. You can have Adam, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, David, Solomon, Gideon, Barak, you can go on and on, Deborah. But I would suggest, if they would huddle there for a moment or two, I would suggest that within an hour, they would all concede as far as living a life and a journey of faith is concerned, Abraham was their guy. All of them. And he is the father of all. Abraham lived 120 years, a life of faith. And he died at 175. 120 years of that life, he was on a journey. And it was a life of faith. And he was probably the greatest demonstration of faith that you'll find in the Bible. The Bible says one place in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to ever please our God or our Savior. And he had it. How would you like this to be said of you? You are a friend of God. The Bible says that in James that Abraham was called a friend of God. How would you like this to be said of you in Romans chapter four that Abraham was the father of all the faithful that placed their faith in Christ Jesus? That is amazing. And here is a man that lived in Ur, which doesn't sound very, like a very neat city. Can you imagine somebody asking you, hey, where do you live, Ur? No, I'm asking you where you live, Ur. Oh, why don't you speak at Ur? Can you imagine living in Ur? But it was a great metropolitan area, and I uh, was reading some of the Judy, Judaism writings, um, and you can find this in the Talmud, I believe it is, uh, a story about Abraham. It's in the Talmud, it's in the Midrash, and it's in some of their writings about Abraham. You see, Noah, when he came off the ark, along with Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they lived a long time. It wasn't until a little later man started to only live to be about 100 or 150. Abraham happened to live to be 175. But Noah was 892 years old when Abraham was born. He was still living. And some of the writings say that Abraham, who was 10 generations from Noah, actually lived with him for 38 years. And even though his father, Terah, made idols for Nimrod and all those in that Babylonian area around Ur, he never did believe in God. He probably followed, followed after his dad because the Bible says in Joshua 24, it says that he followed after idols. He was a man that followed after idols. And even though he may have been around Noah and stayed with him for a while, he never believed him. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter seven, verse two and three, that at age 50, he was called out of Ur. Now, I didn't mention 50 years old there, but you'll be able to figure it out. 50 years old is when he was first called. 50. 
And he had a partial obedience. And I, I say that because he did leave the land of Ur, but the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 to leave everything behind. But he took Lot, he took Terah's dad, he took some other things, and they went north and they stopped in Haran. And there in Haran they lived 25 years. And then God calls him again. So he calls him first in, in Ur of the Chaldees, and he did leave, but I call that partial obedience because he did take things with him. And maybe that's why God had him have a, a waiting period for 25 years. But he calls him again in Genesis chapter 12, verse one, and it says, God called Abraham out of Haran. And now he's on that journey again in that life of faith. He married Sarah in Ur. They was not able to have any children. And yet God made this promise to him when he called him out that you're gonna have as many children as the sands of the seas and the stars of the heaven, and I'm gonna take you to a place of a land of your inheritance. And he never saw it. They went down to Egypt for a while because there was a famine in the land. He made some mistakes down there, lied about his wife Sarah because he didn't want to die. Pharaoh had some plagues, so he booted them out of Egypt. They went back to their land, but they took a lady along with them that they got in Egypt. Her name was Hagar. And this was one time that Abraham sprinted ahead of God. He did not wait because after all, he was getting 60 and 70 and 80. He didn't have any children. And so with Hagar, he had Ishmael. And then 13 years later with Sarah, finally at 100 years old, he has Isaac. And it's been 4,000 years since that account, and we are seeing the ripple effect on this planet today of Ishmael and Isaac. There was always gonna be enmity between both of them. And yet God told Abraham, I'm gonna make a great nation out of both of them. I love them both. I love Ishmael, I'm gonna give him 12 tribes. I love Isaac, he's gonna have 12 tribes. And we see that fighting even today in the Middle East, the descendants of Ishmael and Isaac. And I would also say that Abraham, because not only of his place here in the Word of God, but his place in history, three of the world's largest religions are because of Abraham. The Muslim faith, the five repetitive prayers that they pray every day begin and end with Abraham. Judaism, the three repetitive prayers that they pray every day, especially at Shabbat and during the Seders, they mention Abraham. We in the Christian faith, we know that he is the father of our faith. We read about it in Romans chapter four. And in fact, when we were, uh, years ago when our children were small, we would gather them around in the evening and read with them and and uh, sing songs with them. That was their favorite song, I hated it. And the reason I hate it, go on and on and on. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left. And it goes on and on. And I would think, let's call something else. But Christianity, we've always looked up to that man. And so what kind of a faith is it that has a man doing what he did in the Bible? He had no scripture. There was no Bible. There was nothing. And God called Abraham 
in that kind of a faith. And number one here, a faith that enables you to go without knowing where you are going. Can you imagine having that kind of a faith? A faith that enables you to go without knowing where you're going. Bible says here in Hebrews 11 and eight, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, he obeyed and he went. He had no clue where he was going. So what is this faith that Abraham has and what is this faith that we have? Well, the Bible gives it to us in, in Hebrews 11 and one here. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is not wishful thinking. It is knowing that God is gonna do what he says, be what he says, everything about him, and we believe and accept that by faith, regardless if we comprehend it or not. And Abraham did. Bible says one place in Romans, uh, maybe it's chapter four in this one too, that Abraham was fully persuaded in his heart and mind. And yet he never collapsed in all of that. And every one of you today, you've already many times today, you've exercised faith. You walked into this building and you exercised faith in everything that, in the structure. You don't know the architect. You never watched the builders. How do you know this thing ain't gonna collapse? You walked in, you trusted this place. You sat down on a chair. Not one of you stood there and whimpered and worried about that chair collapsing. You sat down quick. You trusted it. You got in your car this morning. Some of you drove probably over the speed limit getting here because you, got, you lost an hour, didn't you? And so you were driving and you trusted, the minute you put your foot on that brake, you trusted it was gonna stop and not rear end somebody. The next time you get on a plane, you'll never meet the pilot, you don't know his name, you've never seen him, you get on that plane and you allow yourself to be hurled through the air 600 miles an hour and you trust and you place faith. And Abraham, in a spiritual sense, did this completely. And somewhere, his life completely, obviously changed. And if you look at this, the, this, this life of this man, it is a pivotal change in Scripture in Romans, I mean, uh, Genesis 12. A pivotal change in this sense. Before that, the Bible was always speaking of humanity in broad terms. You've got creation. You've got condemnation. You've got the fall of man. You've got the destroying of man with the flood. You've got him coming off the ark. You've got him spread with the Tower of Babel. And all of a sudden, God takes one man out of them all, and he starts a journey, and through him, the Christ child will come. Changes everything in Scripture. Abraham one man, he didn't have a clue where he was going. Could you do that today? Could you leave those three areas of your life right now? He left the region of Ur, he left the religion of idols, and he left the relationship of family and friends. Could you do that today? Could you leave the region of Modesto? Could you leave this church where you're at today, and could you leave family and friends and just go? Can you imagine this scenario? He's out on a tractor, 
No, he wouldn't be on a tractor. He's out on a camel. He's out there with his flocks. And there he is. And all of a sudden, God speaks. And all of a sudden, a voice comes. And he says, Abraham. And he looks around. Abraham, yes. I'm God. God who? I'm the God of creation of this universe. I created you. And there's something in that moment in his mind and at heart that made the connection and he fully was persuaded that this is God. And he never looked back. It doesn't say he never made another mistake, but he always, from that moment on, had a life of faith. The Bible says in Genesis 15 that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Eternity at that moment was settled in his heart. Circumcision came years later, the outward expression. But here is Abraham, had no clue. So he walks into the house and what does he say? Sarah, we're leaving today. We're what? Uh, we're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Who told you this brainstorm of an idea? I don't know. It's God. God who? And went through the same thing again. But in the conversation of Abraham and Sarah, even in her heart and her mind, she had that spark of faith too. Because both of them together, didn't say they didn't have a long conversation, but they together walked on this journey of faith. And there were times that God would tell them that this was going to happen. They'd laugh. But they still journeyed together as a life of faith. What comes to number two? This kind of faith that he has is a faith that enables you to go without ever making any excuses. The Bible says in the ninth verse, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He could have said a lot of things right here. He could have had a lot of excuses. He could have said, Lord, there's, there's no procedure for this kind of a thing. I don't have a map of Mesopotamia. I can't Google it like we would today. I have no clue when you tell me to just start wandering and go, and you just give me, I don't know what, even when we're going to, I don't know anything, Lord. He didn't make an excuse. He could have said he's too old. He could have said, I've got my roots down here. I've got things going good here in Ur. I've got family and friends. He didn't do that. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't say, well, what are my neighbors going to think? And I think the lesson is for all of us today, too, here. I think that God may be calling and telling some of you right now to go. to come, to make a decision for Christ. And you've thought about it, and you've heard the call and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, and you've said no too many times. And you need to do like Abraham, and you need to go, and you need to come. And you need to acknowledge what the Lord is asking you to do through his word. He never made any excuses. He says, just trust me, Abraham. And we're going to look at that today as we finish this message. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He did that right here, folks. And maybe some of you say, well, anyone would want to leave Ur, just the sound of the place. 
But it didn't matter to him about that. He just left. He heard the voice and the call of God and he went. Reminds me of a 16-year-old in Scotland. 16-year-old young boy, 16 years old, and God called him one day and he says, I want you to leave your land, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go to another land and another country. And he believed it was God. It was, it was so real to him. He told his parents and they, they made fun of him. They laughed at him. And he said, that's ridiculous, you're 16. At 17, he finally went. Found himself down in the little uh, town in Alabama. Um, and there he served the Lord faithfully and in 1946, the Lord called him to the United States Senate as the chaplain, Peter Marshall. He listened, he went, he trusted, and God opened the door for one of the greatest chaplains America's ever had. Number three, I believe he had a faith that enabled, enables you to live without knowing when you'll ever arrive. This is a hard one here. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm gonna go, then it's another thing, uh, when are we gonna get there? I remember uh, when we were younger, uh, we would take tri uh, trips with our children and we'd load them up in our car and put them in the back seat. And it didn't matter if we were going away for a day or a week, inevitably, one mile down the road, we would start hearing that question like they had a moral obligation to ask it. Daddy, are we there yet? You've all heard it. And then I'd have to say, not yet. And then it came soon and often again. Many times during the journey, are we there yet? Sometimes there would have to be correction along the way. Are we there yet? And then there was times I couldn't wait to arrive. But I wonder if, if Abraham ever had in his journey that maybe this is one of the first things as he prayed to the Father that came out of his mouth, Lord, when are we gonna get there? When are you gonna make it obvious that we've landed at the right place? Father, I'm 80 now and there's no children. Father, hello, I'm 90 now. Father, I'm 99. Sarah's pretty old. We're not gonna be able to have children, when? Father, Sarah died the other day at 127 and I still don't see any land that's mine. And for 120 years, folks, he never owned anything except that plot of ground where Sarah was buried, Machpelah, and I believe he was buried there later too. He wondered and he wondered and he wondered in faith. And I think the lesson for us today as we think about his life and our life, maybe there's a lot of you sitting here today that you say the same thing in your prayers. When? When is my marriage gonna change? When is that relationship gonna change with my children? When is that wayward child gonna come home? When is my finances gonna change where I can feel like my head's above the water? Father, when is that ailment and that infirmity gonna change in my body? And folks, you may be in the waiting room for decades with your when, but just keep living by faith. 
And I would suggest sometimes it's in the waiting rooms of life. You'll learn more in 10 years of waiting on the Lord than you will in 50 years of happiness. And the legitimate darknesses you may have in your life and your heart right now, he allows them for a reason. It's in this life that he is stretching us and conforming us to the image of his dear son. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I will make your strength perfect in your weakness. You're gonna get a lot not yet from our Lord. There's nothing wrong with asking why. There's nothing wrong with saying when. But with that, we need to come to the recognition, Father, I trust you even if I don't get it. And Abraham did that. The Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us. What's revealed? It's his word. There's a lot of times in life, there's things I don't like, and I probably whimper and whine, when is this gonna change? And it may never in this life. And I'm I'm gonna even add this. You take eternity out of the equation, And the life of faith seems like a sick joke at times. You take heaven and eternity out of this equation and faith seems rather dumb. But you put eternity into the equation and everything changes. That's what he was doing. He was not looking for things here. He was looking for a builder made of God in the heavens. And that enabled him to go day after day after day. The Bible says here that he sojourned. In the Greek text, that words mean that Abraham was a permanent resident alien. Is that what you are today? If your life is hid with Christ and God and you are a believer, you too are a permanent resident alien. This world is not your home. We sing that. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I do not feel at home in this world anymore. The sad thing is, too often in Christianity, we feel too much at home in this world. This is not our home. And maybe our song sounds like this. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. I've got nine bank accounts and a Krugerrand or two. The angels beckon me from heaven's open shore. The Lord let me stay and have a few play days one time more. Nothing wrong with things here, folks, and stuff. But it's our priority and our perspective of our journey here and where is our attention. Bible says that Abraham was looking for a city not made with hands. For 120 years, he was focused on that city and he never owned one square inch of ground in the Bible lands, except for the plot where they's buried. And so if we wanna walk by faith today, then we gotta somehow, as we journey, we've gotta leave the wins and the not yets on the table and trust. And in your notes, you're gonna see where it says, Abraham was starting to realize an incredible truth. The joy is in the journey, and the journey is the joy. 
And how is that possible? The joy is in the journey, and the journey is the joy. And the reason that joy is in the journey is because the joy factor of your life and your walk and your heart is Christ. Abraham believed God is accounted in for righteousness. And on his journey, the joy factor of his life was God the Father. It never changed. Some of you have been a Christian for a long time. You've had ups and downs. But what's the joy factor of your life? You put anything else in there besides Christ, and you're not going to have a fulfilling life because he's not going to allow it. It's only through Christ that we have that fulfillment. That brings us to number four. A faith that enables you to trust without knowing the hows. You never had any answer on so many things. Lord, how are you going to do this? I never got an answer. And I would suggest we all have these. It says all of these people in Hebrews eleven thirteen were still living by faith when they died. Why? They were admitting these people that live by faith, they were admitting that they were pilgrims and strangers. And all of these questions, they probably had them and we had them today. Lord, when is this gonna happen? How is this gonna happen? How are you gonna repair this? Seems like things are getting out of control. When are you gonna step back into the, the picture? He's there. And sometimes we don't get a quick answer and we do what Abraham did and we sprint ahead of the Lord. And we put things in our own hands. They laughed at him one time. Sarah, they, they laughed out loud. That's why they did, had Hagar have a child with Abraham. God lost control. And there's times in our life that we sprint ahead of God and we do some pretty crummy things because we're not willing to trust. Don't allow yourself to get weighted down with the hows because they will crush you. We're not getting answers on something. Before you know, we just start taking things in our own hands. And I put down in here, Abraham trusted in the one who said, I am the eternal God of creation. Abraham trusted in the one who says, I have established my covenant with you forever. Abraham trusted in the Lord who said, I will bring you out from bondage of an old life and bring you into the new land and a new life. I am, I have, I will. You see, our God, he sought you and then he bought you and now he has got you in the palms of his hands. The Bible says that he has written your names on the palms of his hands. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I would say that's a pretty tight security. He says, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. I just want you to follow me and trust me in faith. And sometimes as a trichotomy, we are a body, soul, and spirit. Sometimes in our trichotomy, we wear ourselves out. And when you wear yourself out in the body or your soul or your spirit, that fatigue will set in and this is what happens. You start taking things in your own hands because God's lost control. And you're just like Frank Sinatra. 
not the way he sung or sang, but he penned these words. I planned each charted course, each step along the byway, but much more than this, I did it my way. My way. My way. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Do things your way? See any problems come from that? Abraham lived by faith, and yes, he made mistakes and did some things his way, but this is what the Bible says about this man. It says that he lived in tents and he built altars. For 120 years, he lived in tents and he built altars. That tells me that this man was a wanderer and a worshiper. All of his life, a wanderer and a worshiper. Am I saying you gotta sell your house today and start wondering? No. Bible says that Abraham was a very rich man, but he held things very loosely. Look at the, you read those chapters, 13 chapters, and you look how he held his riches, loosely. Lot, what do you want? You want the best land? You go ahead and take it. He gave, he gave to Melchizedek, he gave and he gave as he was wondering, but as he wondered, he worshiped and he built altars. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. As we live in this life, nothing wrong with riches, but don't get so set that you enjoy this life more than looking for a city. That is one of the saddest things that I have witnessed in my life as a believer. I've been a Christian for 47 years. And when I would walk into a Bible bookstore when I was a, a little boy, there was five of them in this town. Now there's no Bible bookstores. But when I would walk into those, they had a big section of prophecy because everybody was excited about end times and the Lord's coming back. Folks, you go in any Bible bookstore today, I think it was one in Fresno and Sacramento, and there's nothing left about his coming again. People don't care anymore. The devil has mesmerized people in this situation, enjoying this life more than looking for another. This is not our home. We're just a passing through. And so we have a choice here, and I put down here, many today are facing that same choice. 4,000 years ago, do I do life God's way, or do I do life my way? And that brings us to our memory verse. Bible says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This is a picture of the life of Abraham. And you and I will never be a man or a woman of faith if we are looking for fulfillment in this life alone. I'm gonna say that again. You will never be a man or a woman of faith if you are looking for fulfillment in this life alone. Abraham trusted in the one who brought great joy in his journey. I'm reminded of the story of Henry Morrison 
He was one of the great missionaries to Africa, in Uganda especially. And uh, for 40 years, he was a missionary in Africa. Him and his wife were there, and finally, because of his health, he had to get on a big boat, and he came back home. As they was pulling into the, the uh, New York Harbor, <clears throat> Uh, they were in the bottom section of the boat. That's all they could afford. But they noticed through their little window that there were thousands of people lined up on the, on the, on the docks there, uh, banners, bands playing. And they got kind of excited that, wow, somebody has recognized that we did something for the kingdom for 40 years. They get on the top deck, getting ready to go down the, the plank, and they realize it wasn't for them. Somebody else was on that boat, Theodore Roosevelt. The president of the United States was just getting back from a four-week safari in the Serengeti Desert. And all of the applause and all the bands and the fanfare was for Theodore Roosevelt. And Henry Morrison stood on the top railing of that ship and he had a moment of de despair. And this is what he was started to think. Lord, why? I gave you 40 years in Africa. And here's a man that spent four weeks shooting animals, and, and this is what he gets, and this is what I got. And the minute he thought that, this is what came to his mind, a still small voice, and it said these words. Henry, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. And Henry was lifted with joy and he walked off of that boat, served the Lord for a couple more years and he died. And I would suggest this morning that when he walked into glory, <clears throat> there were tens of thousands of Africans lined up to welcome him home. Folks, we're on a journey. You don't know when that your arrival is going to get there as far as this life. You've got an expiration date. There's some of you today who may be calling you to do something. I don't know. But you listen to that voice if it's in harmony with God's word. And if you've got a lot of problems and heartaches in your life right now, you just keep trusting in him and lean upon him and don't lean on your own understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs, there is a way that seems right and to man, but the way they're in is death and destruction. You go off on your own avenue, and you're going to get tripped up. If you rely on him, trust in him, you're going to enjoy the journey. And the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we love you. <clears throat> and we, uh, we realize that we uh, flop around all over the place, and we probably don't have the life that Abraham lived, but we can have that faith. And thank you for bringing a character out of the word, Father, that was so normal, that did make mistakes, and yet he just keep trusting. And encourage every heart to, here today to do the same, Father, that we can just lean onto you and trust in you, even though we don't see the way sometimes. And however the dark days get, Father, we just keep trusting, and we keep trusting. And we keep journeying as pilgrims and strangers, looking forward to that city in your presence. In Christ's name we pray, amen.